Well, this morning we are continuing our series called Courageous, which is really about um, how to develop courageous faith. And uh, in chapter 1 and verse 6, the scripture says, Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know what I've noticed is that when you lose your courage, you you tend to forget that the Lord is with you. And so we need to have, we need to hold on to courageous faith. Now, what is courageous faith anyway? Well, it, it means to have unwavering faith. It means to hold on and not give up despite the problems and difficulties you're facing. It's, it's having the perseverance of faith that holds on until the Lord moves in your life. How many of you know sometimes you just got to hold on? The scripture says, when you've done all to stand, stand, and you'll see the salvation of the Lord. Amen? Now, in the first week, we talked about why we need courageous faith. And, and there was uh, four things we talked about. Number one, it shrinks your problems. There's something about faith uh, causes your peace to rule and reign in your life. And all of a sudden, your problems don't go away. They just tend to get smaller. Uh, fear causes us to be overcome by our problems, but faith causes us to overcome our problems. Amen? Number two, we talked about courageous faith opens the door for a miracle. It's the law of faith that is higher than the law of nature. Jesus said, if you have faith, you can move a mountain. Now, physically, we can't move mountains. But I believe what Jesus was saying, that the power of our faith, faith opens the doors for the miraculous that mountain-sized things can change in your life. Number three, we talked about courageous faith paves the way for God to act on our behalf. Jesus said, if you believe, you will receive. It's our over, it's our courageous faith that, that is key to causing us to receive the promises of God. It's our courageous faith that causes us to experience those God-given dreams and visions and, and the desires that God has placed in our heart. Courageous faith what is what allows supernatural things to happen in your life. Let me ask you a question. How many of you can look back on your life and say, and see where God did something that there's no way man could get credit for it? When you look back, you say, God did that. Can I see your hand? I, listen, look at the hand all over the place. The, the fourth thing was courageous faith also gives you the power to hold on in tough times. Remember what we mentioned last week or two weeks ago that our faith doesn't keep us from experiencing tough times. You can't just have enough faith where you won't go through tough times, but our faith will get us through the tough times, right? Our faith doesn't take away the pain of life. Everybody is going to experience pain in their life. But you know what? Our faith allows us to receive the grace to handle the pain that we experience in life. In other words, our faith allows us to receive God's strength to be able to hold on when we go through tough times. Amen? So in week one, we talked about, uh, we, we talked about why we need courageous faith. Today, I want to talk to you about how. How to develop courageous faith. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to say, Hey gang, we need courageous faith. Okay. Well, good. How do you get that? How do you get there? So let's talk about that. 
How do you gain the ability, the faith level to be able to handle life's problems and not be overcome with life's problems? Because, you know, the reality is if if you don't have the faith to face life's problems, you're going to constantly live in the gutter. You're going to constantly live in defeat and discouragement. And God didn't send his son to die on the cross for his children to live around discouraged, depressed and and, and, in defeat. God gave us his son, the Bible says, so we could have life and have it abundantly. Amen. Are y'all with me this morning? So how do we develop courageous faith? Proverbs 24.10 says, if you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. If you fail under pressure, your faith or your strength is too small. You never know how strong your faith really is until it's put under pressure. Isn't that right? In fact, you know, Miss Miss Chong, again, yesterday, we were talking and her son John was telling me, you know, she's getting ready to go in the surgery. And she looks at John and she says, John, don't worry about me. I have tremendous peace. God is going to see me through. You know how much faith you got when you're under pressure. And so our faith fails when it's put under pressure. It's too weak. If our faith fails whenever we're going through tough times, our faith is not strong enough. We need stronger faith. Are y'all still tracking with me? And so courageous faith is that faith that doesn't fail under pressure, that doesn't collapse under pressure. It's the kind of faith that can endure the tests and the trials and troubles and tribulations of life without quitting or giving up on your faith in God. Amen? So how do you develop that? Let's let's get into that. How do you develop courageous faith? I just want to give you uh, just four uh, ways that you can develop courageous faith. First one is this. You develop courageous faith through the testing of your faith. And so listen, everybody gets a chance because everybody's going to go through testing, right? Our faith will be tested, the Bible tells us, through all kinds of trials and tribulations. In fact, this is what James 1-2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Various trials. Our faith will be tested. You know what various means? It means all kinds of trials. Now, those of you that are, you know, are beyond seven years old, how many of you experienced various trials in your life? I mean, there's financial trials. There is relational trials. There's spiritual trials. There's health trials. There's circumstantial trials. I mean, trials in every way, all kinds of trials. I mean, it's just like, all right, finally, this thing is resolved. You turn around and there's another one, right? And so, you know, some people like they, they, they get surprised. They get surprised because they're going through another trial. But Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. Amen. And so listen, our faith will be tested when we go through those trials. Do you ever wonder why God would even allow us to go through trials? It's like, he's sovereign. He's He's almighty. He's He can do anything. He can move the mountains. Why doesn't he protect us from trials? Well, I think James gives us the answer. In James chapter 1, in verse, in verse 2, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, When trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So James says God allows us to go through trouble so that our faith can grow. How do you grow your muscles? You put them under trial. Amen? 
I need to put mine under more trial. I haven't done that enough, right? So God wants to develop, he wants us to develop endurance in our faith. Endurance means the ability to stay, to abide in one spot. It means to be steadfast, consistent, unwavering, and unflinching. It's the attitude that's that never gives up. It holds out, holds on, and outlasts and preserves every trouble it goes through. So, so here's the answer. The reason why God allows us to go through trouble is because God wants us to develop. He wants us to develop our faith. He wants us to get stronger in our faith. That listen, when we go through the storms of life, when we go through trouble and trial, we don't throw in the towel. We hang in there. Amen. That's why God allows it in verse four. He says, listen, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. See, courageous faith comes from keeping a good attitude when you go through trials. You know, you, you know what kind of attitude you really have in your heart of hearts when you go through trials. And so, you know, whenever the disciples were in the storm and they looked at the Lord and they said, don't you care? That attitude was already in their heart. That storm surfaced it. Amen. So you know where you are spiritually when you go through storms. But listen, if you want to develop courageous faith, you got to keep a good attitude. Come on. Let me get a better amen right there. So you got, you got to keep a good attitude when you're in doing trouble. Trials and tribulations can either make you bitter or they can make you better. They can either make you a winner or they can make you a whiner. How many of you know the Lord don't want us to be whiners? Amen. It depends on your attitude. People become bitter when they resent their trials and they resent their troubles. People become bitter or better when they embrace their trials and knowing that God's got a purpose in it. Amen. People become whiners when they resent their trials, but they become winners when they embrace their trials and know that, listen, God's got me. He's not going to leave me. He's going to help me get through this. Are y'all receiving this this morning? I think you would agree that courageous Christians are developed by maintaining a good attitude through their circumstances. And listen, just a little side note, you know when it's the best time to work on your attitude? When you're going through a trial. You don't work on your attitude when you're on the mountaintop. It's easy. You're smiling and you're whistling. And, but when you go through a tough time, that's whenever you find out well, how good of an attitude you have. Amen? So keep a proper perspective. And, and you may be resenting or rejecting the very thing that God is trying to use to make you a better person. Come on. I need a better amen. You know, whenever uh, Tanya and I were on vacation a while back, we were, uh, we were at the beach. And uh, we got up one morning and drinking our coffee on the balcony. And all of a sudden, this boat comes up. It's, it, you know, it's, it's pretty calm. And this boat comes up. You know, it seemed like a half a mile or I don't know exactly how far. And, and all of a sudden, we, it was far enough where we couldn't really tell what's going on. And these, these people start jumping out of the boat. And all of a sudden, they're swimming to the shore. And so we'd never seen anything like that. So they swim to shore. And when they finally get to shore, you know, of course, some of them faster than the others. But we hear this, like somebody with a, a, you know, a horn saying, faster, faster, come on, you're last, come on. And they're just getting on their back. And they finally hit the beach. And then they got to start doing push-ups. 
And then they got to run down the beach. And then they got to lay in the water and start doing sit-ups in the, in the water. And their head's going underwater. And I'm like, oh my goodness, they're trying to kill them. And then they get them up and they make them run. And then they make them run back to the boat and run. I was like, what are they trying to do? And then it dawned on us, they're training. They're training. That's what we found out later was one of the branches of the army. But listen, here's the point. You know, whenever God, whenever the, the, our, our armed services wants to make a strong soldier, they put them through intense training. They put them through intense training because they want to turn a mama's boy into a special service soldier. And listen, God doesn't want mama's boys. He wants special soldiers that can do special ops. And that can go and, and rescue other children that are in bondage, that are, that are attacked by the enemy. God is not interested in our comfort as much as he's interested in making us strong in the might and in the power of the Lord. He wants green berets. He wants Navy SEALs. Come on. He wants special servants of the Lord in his army. How many of you willing to allow him to make you one? But you know what? Well, you know what I find is these soldiers, they don't, you know, they don't show up with their flip-flops and their sunglasses on and say, no, I don't want to do that. I, I can't believe you're going to make us swim all the way over there. Push-ups, we just swam a half a mile and we got to do push-ups. We got to lay on this nasty sand. We got to get sand in our crevices. I don't want to get in the sand. No, they don't do that. They don't whine. They don't bellyache. They have a purpose. They have a focus. They know that they're training to be a mighty man and woman in the, in the armed services. And I believe that's what God is interested in us. Amen. Can you say a better amen? But you got to keep a good attitude. Keep a proper perspective about your problems and troubles. Cause listen, God doesn't waste one life experience. If we'll just keep our attitude right. You see, folks, it's not what we go through that's the problem. It's how we face the problem. It's how we react to the problem that is really the problem. And the Bible says in Romans 8.28, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to His purposes. You know what I find the most the most calm, the most settled, the most mature, the strongest people that you'll face in the globe. You know, they call a generation the greatest generation. You know, that's that, that, you know, the World War II generation. You know why they, I believe they're the greatest generation because they've endured so much hardship. They've gone through so many hard times and it's, it's sifted them and it's fashioned them and it's formed them. And now they're just strong as can be. And they're not worried about what Facebook says or what Instagram said. They don't care what a Republican or a Democrat said. They are just solid and they're strong in their faith and they're ready to face life. And I believe that's what God wants to make out of each and every one of us. How do you develop courageous faith? You got to go through the fire of testing. Amen. Keep a good attitude. Amen. Now, the second way you develop courageous faith is this. You develop courageous faith by exposing it to the right environment. In Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said, I've, Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Now notice Jesus compares faith to a little bitty mustard seed. 
And so now some people believe that Jesus was saying, all you need is a little bit of faith to do great things and be victorious. But I'm not sure that's right. I think what he was really trying to teach us by using the mustard seed analogy, I think he was referring to the potential of our faith. Like a mustard seed, our faith has the ability to grow and become great like a mustard seed plant. Remember in Matthew 13, he said this in verse 31. Here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed plant in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. So here's what I think Jesus was saying about our seed of faith. Just as there's tremendous potential for growth in any seed, think about it. I I had some up here one time. A mustard seed you couldn't see from where you are. It's that small, but it makes this huge plant. I think what Jesus was saying is our faith has the potential to grow like a mustard seed into a mighty, strong, powerful uh, grace in our life if we'll just allow it to develop. So faith is a seed that every Christian receives that needs to be cultivated and developed. You can't just take a seed and expect that seed to become this huge plant. So Romans 12, 3 says, For by grace, uh, for grace has been given to you, I say, to every one of you. And don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. How many of you know God has given each of us a measure of faith? We all have at least some faith or we probably wouldn't be here today, right? But it's up to us to be a good steward of what God gives us. He gives us faith, but what we do with it, it, he gives it to us, but he wants us to be a steward of it, which means he wants us to cause it to grow. D.L. Moody said this. He explained his faith development like this. He said, I prayed for faith and thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like lightning. But faith didn't seem to come. One day I read in the 10th chapter of Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had up to this time closed my Bible and prayed for faith. But now... I open my Bible and begin to study, and faith has been growing ever since. What was D.L. Moody saying? you got to develop your faith. Our faith must be developed and cultivated if it's ever going to become strong. So how do you develop it? Number one, you develop it by planting it in the soil of the Word of God. If you want your faith to grow, you got to get into the Word of God. Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So listen, if you want your faith to grow and mature, you must plant it in the soil of the word of God, which means you got to read the word of God, not just every once in a while. You got to read it on a daily basis. You got to listen to the word of God. Listen, you got to listen to it being preached. You got to study the word of God. You got to memorize the word of God. You got to meditate on the word of God. You got to quote the word of God. The word of God is the soil into which our faith grows. If you want your faith to grow, feed it 
the Word of God. The Word of God is the, is the nourishment. It's the, it's the food to, that feeds your faith. Amen? In, in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Listen, you don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to listen to preaching. You can listen to whatever you want. But if you want your faith to grow, if you want the ability to have the strength to overcome the problems and circumstances of, of your life, I encourage you. Listen, if you want to be a green beret, you can't eat Lay's potato chips and Dunkin' Donuts all your life. Come on, you're going to have to get the right food inside of you. If you want to be a special forces man or woman of God. You got to get lay off the donuts and start getting the word of God down on the inside of you. Amen. But faith is also cultivated by planting it in the uh, uh, cultivated by allowing your seed to be exposed by the moisture of the Holy Spirit. You know, you can plant a seed in the soil and if that soil is dry, it'll never grow. That soil has to have moisture for that seed to germinate. And it's the same with our faith. Our faith grows and develops in the moisture of the Holy Spirit. In, in Jude 20, it says this, But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith and pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you want your faith to grow, you got to get in the environment of the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit is welcome and embraced. You got to get in a position. You got to get quiet. You got to get in a, in a solitary place and embrace and welcome. You got to worship God. You got to pray in the Spirit. You got to let the Holy Spirit rule and reign in your life. Cause listen, there are a lot of people that can quote chapters and verses, but they the most callous, more critical, judgmental, callous, callous hearted people that you ever fine. It's not just good enough to get the word of God. You got to water that word with the moisture of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, listen, I, I remember, uh, I remember, you know, just being in prayer and, and just being, uh, uh, you know, just, uh, when I first started ministry and, and I have, I was a youth pastor and I, I didn't have any confidence. Like, uh, I, I, I'm still like not, you know, I'm okay now, but it's still not the easiest thing to be a public speaker. You know, one of the greatest fears is to be a public speaker. And I'm telling you, you got to have, you got to be secure when you teach teenagers. When you get in a room full of teenagers, they're going to look at you like, what you going to tell me, bro? You know, it's like, you know, I mean, so you got to be secure, right? And I remember, man, I'd get terrified and I'd get up there in the front of the teenagers and my knees were knocking and, you know, and all that. And, and so I didn't have any faith, but I remember I'd get alone with God and I'd begin to worship God and I'd begin to pray and I'd begin to ask God to give me grace. And all of a sudden, man, fear would leave and faith would come. And all of a sudden, I had the ability to just be able to stand up and, and just preach to the teens. And as soon as I was over, all of a sudden, there comes that, you know, that timidity again. But I'm just trying to tell you that the Holy Spirit is the igniter of your faith. Come on, you got to feed it. You got to feed it the word of God. But listen, just like in the natural man, you need food, but you need water. If you just eat and don't, if that food doesn't have moisture in it, you're going to die. You got to have water. Can I tell you, as believers, as Christians, we need the water of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
We need the water. We need the hope. That's why Jesus said, it's important that I go. Because whenever I go, the comforter is going to come. The Holy Spirit, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Come on, the Holy Spirit is the dynamite that germinates that seed and it allows it to grow. And then faith is also cultivated by allowing your seed, your the seed of faith to be in the warm sunshine of the love of God. Listen, you could plant a seed in the soil and you can even water it, but it still won't grow until it's got sunlight and sunshine. It, it won't grow until it's germinated by the warmth of the energy of the sunlight. And it's the same way with you and I. Our faith wants to grow, but it needs to be put in the environment of the love of God. Galatians 5, 6 says this, For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Now listen, I really believe this. Faith is best developed in the environment of God's loving people, in the family of God, right in the midst of people who are filled with the love of God and love each other. Are y'all with me out there? Where the love of God is flowing and through the heart of that unconditional love, we can grow in our faith. Well, you know, love encourages, love uplifts, love wraps their arms around you. And listen, even though we're, we're trying to grow our faith and trying to win in the, in the, in our Christianity, you know, listen, sometimes we need somebody to just put their arms around us and say, it's going to be all right, man. You're going to make it. Are y'all with me out there? You know, Friday night, how many of you know Miss Clara? More affectionately known as Miss Mama Clara. Y'all know Miss Clara? Miss Clara had a 65th birthday party on, on Friday night and, and Tanya and I went to be with them and surprised her. They, she thought she was just going to a regular Bible study and she opened the door and they had all these people in there and, and she started crying. But you know what they did at that night was they, they had all these people there, some of her natural children, her daughters, her son, and, and some spiritual children. And some of you here were probably there. But you know, they started just sharing about how their life was changed by Miss Clara's loving them. And you see, if you know Miss Clara's testimony, Miss Clara was filled with hate. She was filled, she wasn't loving. I mean, nobody wanted to mess with her on the street. But then she found Jesus. And Jesus filled her heart. And now everybody calls her Mama Clara because she just loves up on people. And whenever they're down, I see you down. I see you discouraged. You're going to make it. Listen, you're going to make it. And she just loves up on them. And their faith is beginning to rise. And they just look at Miss Clara and they just say, Miss Clara, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for being our in our corner. Thank you for encouraging us. Come on. Our faith grows in the context of the love of God. And your faith will grow when you get around good, godly, loving people. Are you all with me out there? If you're with me, say I'm with you. Amen. Amen. Now, the third way to develop courageous faith is it's developed by exercising your faith. You got to exercise it. Courageous faith is, you know, like a muscle. If you don't use it, you lose it. And courageous faith is more than thinking something or believing something. It's not mental sentiment, you know. Faith is acting on what you think or you believe. James 2.17 says this, Faith, if it has not worked, is dead, 
being by itself. How many of you know faith has to have some action to it? Faith dies if it's not used. However, if faith is used like a muscle, it grows and it grows stronger and stronger. But you must exercise your faith if you want it to grow stronger. Todd, how do you exercise your faith? You got to believe God for something. You got to trust God for something. You got to quit being negative. You got to quit saying negative things. You got to quit looking at everything like somebody's trying to get you and nobody's for you. You got to change that stinking thinking. You got to change the way that you, what you say. And you got to get on the positive page and say, listen, God gave his all. He gave his son. He gave Jesus to die on the cross for me. If he gave me his son, what more will he give me? I'm going to make it. I'm going to get through this. Come on. You got to feed your faith, right? And you got to listen, you got to use that faith. You know, everybody uh, is familiar with King David's greatest victory, right? When he killed Goliath and uh, he had courageous faith to face and defeat this giant, this Philistine giant that everybody else in the in Israel was scared of. And we all give him props for that. We say, man, David's amazing. He he tackled this giant. But see, one of the things that we forget about, we don't realize is David wasn't born with a giant killing faith. He wasn't just born with that. The Bible tells us what that that he he grew his faith. Remember when when David told Saul, Saul, I'm going to take on the Philistine giant. I'm going to take on Goliath. And Saul said, man, you're just a you're just a, a ruddy red-nosed boy. You can't take on this giant. This guy's been a warrior for years, and you're just a kid. You can't take it on. And he said, there's no way you can fight this Philistine giant and win. But David, in, in verse uh, chapter 1 Samuel 17, 34, listen what David said. David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue that lamb from its mouth. If that animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears. I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And so Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. I don't think Saul had any hope that David could defeat this giant. But I want you to notice, David didn't have giant-sized faith to begin with. The Bible tells us David had lion-sized faith and bear-sized faith. In other words, he was tackling the smaller problems before he got to the bigger problems. And he said, listen, while I was out there tending to the sheep and this the lion came and tried to tear up one of the sheep, he said, I didn't run away. I, By faith, I went after him and I grabbed him by his mane and I beat that lion to death and I got that sheep back to safety. And another day, a bear jumped out trying to get one of my my sheep. And just like I defeated that lion, I defeated that bear. And I took that sheep right out of that bear's mouth and I rescued that sheep. And so the same God that helped me beat the lion and the same God that helped me beat the bear is the same God that's going to help me beat this uncircumcised Philistine. Let me at him. Amen. David grew his faith, right? He grew his faith. He allowed his faith. He exercised his faith. And as his faith began to grow, he began to take on bigger problems. How does a person develop courageous faith? It doesn't happen overnight. 
But you know what? You're going to have to tackle the giants, the, the bear size problems and the lion, the lion size problems. And it's through seeing God move in those smaller circumstances and situations. It's going to boost your faith. It's going to give you confidence in the God that you serve. And you're going to get to the place where you're saying, listen, I don't know whether he's going to get me through it, get me over it, get me around it, but I'm going forward and I'm not allowing this situation, this circumstance to keep me down. I'm going forward in my walk with God. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but somebody needs to hear this message today because you might be wanting to give up. You might be wanting to throw in the towel, but can I encourage you today? The God that you serve is a God of impossibilities, is a God of, of the miraculous. And if you won't throw in the towel and you won't just allow your faith to erode and you hang on to the altar of the promises of God, I believe God's going to come through for you. And I believe you're going to look back at this time and at this day, and you're going to be able to say like King David, my God, my God will deliver me from all trouble. He's a God of the miraculous. He's a God of the supernatural. And he wants to deliver you, my brother. He wants to deliver you, my sister, if you just put your faith and your confidence in him. Amen. Why don't you do me a favor and just stand with me this morning. David grew his faith by exercising it repeatedly. But you know what? David didn't trust in man. David trusted in God. You know, when you're going through a problem, you're going through a situation, our tendency is to focus on the problem and give all our attention to the problem. Well, if this one didn't, it wouldn't do that, then I wouldn't be here. Or if this situation wouldn't happen, I wouldn't be here. And we tend to focus all our attention on the problem. David didn't focus on the giant. He focused on the Lord. He said, who is this Philistine, uncircumcised Philistine? Not to taunt me, but to taunt the armies of the living God. That's where our focus needs to be, saints. It needs to be on the living God. He's the giant killer. And all we got to do is just snuggle up in his arms and put our faith and trust in him. And our big brother is going to take care of it. Amen. Whenever I was going to school, I had a guy that was bullying me. He kept bullying me. And I'd go home and I'd tell one of my older brothers, this guy's always bullying me. He keeps bullying me. One day at school, unbeknowing to me, my brother went up to that bully and he just gave him the five-fold ministry. I'm not sure exactly what he did. But I'm telling you, that was the end of that bullying. He didn't bully me anymore. It's not, not because I became something different. Because he got to introduce to my big brother. Come on, you got a big brother. His name is Jesus. And when the enemy comes around and wants to bully you, he's going to have to deal with your big brother. He's going to have to deal with Jesus. And Jesus can overcome every Philistine giant. He can help you get through everything that you're going through. Amen. How many of you believe that this morning? Come on, let's, let's close in prayer. Who do you put your faith in? If you put your faith and trust in yourself, you're going to get defeated. If you put your faith and trust in other people, you're going to get defeated. But if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're going to succeed. Romans 10.9 says, If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus 
and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we can be saved. Jesus wants to save you from your troubles. Jesus wants to save you from your problems. But you got to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on, how many of you today need to make a new resolve? Lord, I'm not going to trust my job. I'm going to not trust my, my family. I'm going to not trust anybody else around me. I'm going to trust you, Lord. You got my back. You're going to help me. Come on. Right now, if you just need to just make a new resolve, just lift your hands right now towards heaven and just make a decision right now and say, Lord, I'm putting my faith. I'm putting my trust in you, Lord. Help me this day. Lord, I pray the grace of God be released right now over this house. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you're you're developing our faith. Lord, you're building courageous faith. Lord, I thank you that we're not resenting our problems. Lord, we're not rejecting what we're going through. We're embracing it. Lord, we're letting it make us bitter, uh, better instead of bitter. Lord, we're letting it make us a winner inside of a whiner. Thank you Father God, that Lord, the, the, what we're going through is making us a great man and woman of God. Come on, just make a decision right now. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you go through many troubles, knowing that the trying of your faith is going to produce endurance. It's going to produce that stick to it ability, that hang in there ability, that get through it ability, and you're going to get over to the other side. Amen. You know what? Whenever you put your faith and trust in Jesus, not only will He save you from your troubles, but He'll grant you eternal life. He'll save you when you die. And you got an eternal destination to, to, to be sent to. Jesus says, if you'll put your faith and your trust in me, two things must happen. You got to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And you've got to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says, whenever you die and your eternal destination is going to be determined, Jesus said, if you believe and you put your faith in me, I'll forgive your sins. I'll cleanse you. I'll cleanse you. I'll give you a fresh start. And when you die, I'll give you eternal life. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, and today you realize, I need to give my life to Christ. I need to be a Christian. I need to surrender today. I want to pray for you. If that's you, just lift your hand. And we're going to pray a prayer together. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Anywhere else? I see your hand right over here. Anywhere else? Just lift your hand. Lift it. It's, it's important that God knows. Now listen, let's everybody just bow our head for just a moment. And then those of you that raised your hands, let's pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, thank you for being courageous and not shrinking back from the cross, but embracing the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross so my sins could be forgiven. Lord Jesus, I repent. I ask you to forgive me for every sin I've ever committed. Lord, this day, I commit my life to you. Thank you, Father, for accepting me. Lord, I confess you as my Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Now, Lord, I ask you to save me and grant me eternal life. I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer, there's a card in the pew. It says, I made a decision. If you fill that out, bring it into the lobby. We won't harass you, but we have a gift for you. And we want to give you some tools to get started. How many of you are glad you're a Christian today? And God has given you courageous faith. Listen, I know that some of you are going through tough times. If you need prayer for anything, 
Just come up here and we'll be up here and we want to pray for you, okay? God bless you. You're dismissed. You have a great day.